1: What is up? I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast, powered by Twisted Tea. We have an awesome show for you today, an incredible guest. His name is Jake Sarachek. He's a New York-based filmmaker who just finished up filming a weekend-long mini-documentary on a college football weekend in the South. He picked the Ole Miss LSU game to come to, and boy, did he pick one hell of a weekend. As you'll hear in this podcast, I got connected with Jake about a month prior to the Ole Miss LSU game He pitched me his idea, which the idea was to do a one-weekend-long mini-doc to pitch to Netflix, among other production companies, in the effort to try to gain funding for a season-long documentary. So he selected Ole Miss LSU because he'd always heard about Oxford. His grandfather was a big Giants fan. Charlie Connerly, Eli Manning, you get the rest. So he decided, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I'm going to come down to Oxford, Mississippi, and do it. So he was here all weekend. I met up with him a couple times, tried to steer him around as best I could, and so if you want a firsthand account of a New Yorker's first experience in Oxford, Mississippi on one hell of a weekend, this is the podcast for you. We went through what he thought of Oxford, how he went about creating and filming the documentary, obviously he's still in the editing process, and just what he thought of the town and a college football weekend in the SEC. So buckle up. I really think you'll enjoy this. He has one hell of a story, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun for you to learn about, as well as him telling you about what's the next steps for the documentary. So buckle up. Before we get to that, though, I wanted a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by C Spire. Time to upgrade your home internet to the best service in the market with C Spire Home Fiber. The past few years have proven how important it is to have reliable home internet connection for you and your family. That's why C Spire Home provides the most reliable internet service with 99.99% uptime. C Spire also prides themselves with best customer service in the home internet market. Their customer service is award-winning, local, based out of the Southeast with industry low call wait time. C-SPIRE provides 1 gigabit and 300 megabit internet packages to homes across Mississippi, Birmingham, and southern Alabama regions. C-SPIRE is also proud to announce the release of their brand new 2 gigabit and 8 gigabit home internet plans. Save yourself the hassle by not waiting for your internet connection to drop with the other guys. Call or go online to cspire.com slash home today and use promo code RIPPEE. And you'll get one month of free service. So you get a free month of internet service and the best internet service in the market just for listening to this podcast. How about that? Check them out. C Spire, customer inspired. This podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked that the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox matrix Carnival, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. If you're a Skybox member, you went 11 and 4 on NFL picks over the weekend, plus 8.5 units. Some of you out there who didn't use Skybox, probably hurting in the wallet, probably hurting in the old Venmo account, having to pay the man. You should sign up to Skybox Sports Picks today. Go online, find a Picks package within your price range. You can try it for a day, a week, a month. You can try NFL. You can try college. You can try all the sports. I recommend going with a year-long all Access Pass, because you will make every year a profitable one with Skybox. You don't want to lose money this football season. Maybe we're a month and a half into this. Maybe you're already in a little bit of a hole. Use Skybox to help you pull out of it. They are the professionals. They're Picks are based on data and modeling, not leans five minutes before kickoff. They'll send you picks in a nice color-coded spreadsheet, and boom, you're more equipped to profit than you were before signing up for Skybox. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPP, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that'll get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. All right, here is New York-based filmmaker Jake Sarachek. All right, we now welcome on an incredible guest, now my friend Jake Sarachek, New York native, spent some time in Los Angeles, doing or did a documentary on, or mini docu-series as you say, on Ole Miss over the weekend, Ole Miss LSU. We got a lot to unpack, but um, we'll start out. I appreciate you joining us, man. You made it back to New York. How are you?
2: Uh, Thanks for having me. So it's great to be here. Um, Still recovering from the weekend um It was a hell of a weekend. Still feels like I was in a movie. Honestly, like being back in reality is kind of a lot to handle.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> I feel that way every weekend, and I uh I don't even have to travel anywhere once it's over. It's uh. So I'll fill in the I'll kind of fill in the gaps here in terms of like why you're on the show, how we know each other. About three weeks before the old Miss LSU game, you texted me, um introduced yourself mentioned kind of what you had in mind for a project you were doing you were wanting to do a basically a weekend long documentary on a college football game in the south you chose old Miss LSU which I immediately said was a great choice I could not have possibly forecasted what a weekend that would actually turn into and we talked on the phone a couple of times I started you know giving you any sort of contact information I could I was kind of all in on the project once you pitched me um from the start. And then you make it to Oxford. I meet you at Wednesday night at snack bar and just kind of see you guys periodically throughout the weekend as you're kind of doing your thing. Let's start there. Pitch me like you pitched them. What was the idea of this project? How did it come about? And why did you want to do it?
2: Sure. So I grew up loving college football, you know, by nature, New Yorker. So pro pro first. And my grandfather is a massive New York giants fan that, has now run in the family for a long time. Uh, sixty-five years we've had season tickets. So, like I said, my life is very much like the movie Fever Pitch. He picked me up one day. I was six years old. Drove me to the Meadowlands. We went to tailgate with a bunch of older guys. Watched them all drink Bloody Marys while I threw the football around in the parking lot. Walked into the stadium, saw the field met everyone in the section. My grandfather was like the de facto mayor. He would pass out these like smushed up chocolate bars out of his back pocket to people. I don't even think because they liked it. I think just because everybody felt bad telling him no, but they all loved him because he had been around for a while. And I just was hooked. They would beat the Cowboys that day. And I was hooked from that point on. And it just became a huge part of my life. Every Sunday, you know, we tailgate with the family. We go to the games like you said about your own life, you could count how many games you missed growing up on your hands and your fingers. It's the same thing with me. I did not miss Giant games. I had a lot of the best memories and worst memories of my childhood had to do with the Giants. Uh, and there were a couple of really good ones. Thanks to another big uh, Mississippi, I guess, resident or alumni, whatever you want to call them, who, everyone knows who that is. And so I love football. And that led to college football, because when you love football, you just want more football. When you find out there's another day of the week that there's great football on, uh, you start watching it. And, you know, growing up, when we grew up, it was really easy to get into college football because you had you were watching it. It was way easier than the NFL because you didn't need to buy Sunday ticket or anything. So every game, every conference was on and you had the video game where you learned all the fight songs and all the players were, even though they didn't have their names, you could just look up online and figure out who RB number five at USC was or whatnot, and I got really, really into college football, and above all else, I got really into the SEC, because, I mean, USC had a moment there, and, you know, my dad's an Ohio State fan, and that was a family team a little bit, but there's no better conference growing up than the SEC, and there were no fiercer rivalries, you know, outside of Ohio State, Michigan than the SEC. Uh everything's just bigger there. The action is better, the trenches are better, the every the fans, everything's just better. So basically, I just I grew up loving it, but it was like, you know, behind the glass for me. I I could never touch it and experience it and hold it in the way I could going to the Meadowlands on Sundays. And it was always something that I had in the back of my mind that I would love to, you know, experience that. And I was in a big accident when I was 16 years old, that really changed my whole perspective on life. Cause I was very lucky to survive. I was hit by a car in a coma for a week. And that, like I said, really flipped everything on its head. After that, I realized you know what life is super precious and you got to make the most of every day. And I'm like, I need to have a career that I love. And I always love sports. I always loved storytelling. Wanted to combine the two putzed around for a couple of years, doing it at an assistant level after graduating undergrad. But between that and the pandemic happening and those entry level jobs kind of being thrown out the door, I sort of was out of options and that's when, you know, parents start putting their foot down and they're like, it's time to figure out something real in life. And they were pushing law school. They're like, you'll be able to, uh, you know, leverage your strengths from law school to really push yourself up on the business end of one of these industries you want to work in. So I did that. I really, I felt like I was out of options. It's just like, (laughs) I'll go for it. (laughs) And I was, uh, I was miserable all last year, I was absolutely miserable. And hopefully my uh, employer for next summer doesn't hear this interview. Um, But I really I truly was. And during this time, you know, I had made a couple shorts and film projects before, but nothing really of serious substance. During this time, I just had this voice going into my head saying like, you gotta you gotta do something that you love you really you gotta Stick with your passions. Don't give up on them because one day you'll be old and you'll really regret that. And now you have the chance to do something about it. Don't give up on what you love or your driving motto to make the most of every day in your life. And that voice just got louder and louder until I knew I couldn't ignore it. And I always had this idea from the time I knew what my interests were. This goes all the way back to undergrad of spending a season in the SEC, experiencing for myself in person, what I never got to growing up, but always dreamt about on TV, not just going to the game because everyone does that, you know, with the game day and the generic coverage, but really getting into the heart of the town and the fabric of the community and meeting everybody who's a part of these big weekends, whether it's the athletic department, the students, the faculty, the administration, the band, the cheerleaders, the business owners, the boosters, the restaurant owners, the bar owners, uh, the media people, anyone else I'm missing. But everybody who makes up the community and seeing really what it's like when one of these college towns in the South becomes the center of the universe for a weekend in the fall. And I told this idea to someone I was friends with who and I still am friends with in the film industry. He liked it. He connected me with someone who's made a bunch of sports documentaries I pitched the guy the idea uh, in the back of my mind, expecting him to tell me, you know what, go and make this next year. It's just like, I guess, the eternal optimist in me in that regard. Obviously, he did not say that. He said, you've never made anything of this substance in your life. Nobody's going to allow you to do it. But I love the idea. And he's like, and if you're serious about it, what you need to do is go put your own money into funding one weekend. Going to a school you really want to go to and shoot a proof of concept pilot of one week of what it's like at that school. And if you do that well, it'll be a lot easier to get it done for a season. And I thought about it. You know, I'm in school. I'm not making a lot of money while I'm in school. I'd have to take off of school. There's I don't know anyone in any of these places. And those thoughts lasted about 45 seconds. Because after 45 seconds, I said, if I'm an old man and I'm sitting in my chair as an old man, and I know that the reason I never achieved my dreams and goals in life is because I never even tried, that would be an awfully hard pill to swallow. And right there and then I'm like, I'm going to do this. And when I was thinking about schools, where to go, a couple places were floated at me. And I was just like, I always knew I wanted to go to Ole Miss. It wasn't even like a question. Other people suggested a couple other places, but I was like, you know what? I know about the Grove and I know about the passion of this fan base and the history of the program. And I'm going to say this in the nicest way possible because I have the most love in the world for the Ole Miss community, especially after this weekend. But I guess it's just a bit of a reality. Ole Miss hasn't won championships, whether in the conference or nationally, recently, historically they have, but recently they haven't at the level that Bama or LSU or Georgia has. And I think for this sake of this project and doing a proof of concept, that's a good thing because you can't have that much passion when you're so used to winning. That's why Saban's always moaning about the fans at Alabama Because you just can't. It just becomes something you expect and you only get upset when it doesn't happen, but you don't get that excited when it does. And this fan base, I just knew from being a Yankee fan growing up and seeing what changed with the Red Sox fans from before they broke the curse and after that there's nothing like a fan base that's starving for a champion. And when you combine that with the history of the program and the Grove and everything I'd heard about Oxford from reading people like Ray Thompson growing up, I was like, this is where I'm going. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anyone here. And I just booked my flight, bought game tickets, booked the only hotel room left in town at the Holiday Inn on Jackson Ave., And started reaching out to the athletic department, wrote this really heartfelt email and just changed the names on it and copied it over like a 100 times and sent it to pretty much every person in the athletic department until one
1: of them responded and that got the ball rolling. Yeah. And I mean, well said, particularly, that's how I knew you had a very good eye for storytelling with the part you mentioned about Ole Miss, not having really any sort of recent championships, right? I mean, you could go to LSU, you could go to Alabama, you could do all that stuff, but it's like, you know, what is a fan base like on a fall Saturday when they've been starved for a winner and Ole Miss has had winning seasons, don't get me wrong, but like an actual championship, you know, in modern times, and that's something that Ole Miss has not had in football for quite a while. I want to circle back for a couple of seconds because one of the things you said struck me was one, the fear of like looking back when you're 60 something years old and like, you know, life has kind of passed you by at that point and having any sort of regret about doing or not doing something. You got a dose of that because of what happened with the car crash at a very young age. I still struggle with that. I mean, with this podcast, I've mentioned it in various iterations, a couple of different times where I moved out to Dallas, I got out of the industry and I made every excuse not to do it. And then all of a sudden, one day I was like, Man, you're going to be really pissed one day if you don't ever try this. Like, even part-time thing, just see who listens. And I finally got over that stupid fear of failure. I'm just like, all right, let's just do this. That happened to you at a very young age. and Like, this might be a weird question, but you get in that car crash. What the hell is it like to wake up from a coma after a week? It was, a, a, I, I wasn't expecting that question, but I'm happy to answer it. That's, uh, that's why you're good at what you do. It's a uh, long part of your story. And like, we glossed over the amount of different stuff we had to talk about. But like, what is that like at that young age where all of a sudden you just wake up and you're like, okay, I, I have a new lease on life again. It's not really what it's like in the
2: movies, right? In the movies, okay. they come you and like, you wake up and you're like, yeah! like, you know, like, like that sort of thing, like Kill Bill almost. Obviously, I was heavily sedated on morphine. So like it was a much less glamorous wake up. But, uh, you know, it was weird. I kind of knew something had happened and everything sort of made sense. Like I knew my parents were there, even though they were in a different continent. The last time I was, you know, conscious, I knew that I had moved cities to a bigger, more regional hospital a few minutes down the road even though nobody had told me that i woke up and i looked out and i saw the room and i'm like there's no way i'm where this program is because they couldn't have a hospital this big and i just knew something had happened i didn't know exactly what but i knew it had all happened and uh i guess the whole gaining perspective part took a lot longer but the understanding what had happened and that things weren't going to be the same i guess that came
1: right away in in different waves though who, what happens when you wake back up? Like, is it the classic movie scene where the doctor's like, here's what happened to you? Like, what do you remember about that? I don't even remember them telling me that. I just
2: sort of remember being told, I guess, at a point what I'd, what injuries I had had.
1: And, uh, you know, they, I was also in Spain. The accident happened in Spain. So, Oh, uh, okay. Wow. So you're talking about... Your parents being a different continent. I was like, oh, were they traveling? You were in a different continent.
2: I was. So they sent me on a summer program to Spain. I went to summer camp growing up. And basically this was going into my junior year high school. And they were like, you're too old to go to summer camp. You need to do something that will look somewhat decent on your college uh, application. Here's a Spanish language immersion program in Spain. And they thought it looked like a really serious program. It was a total free for all. <laughs> and we just totally screwed around all day um went out every night um i don't know how pg this podcast is
1: uh we go rated r depending on the day say whatever the hell you want to say uh, cool.
2: yeah so we did a lot of things that would be rated r and uh yeah we had a great summer and that was the summer spain won the world cup too so like the place was really popping off that summer and then you know this happened on the last day So, um, basically none of the people there spoke a lick of English. So that kind of like, uh, that was another, I guess, interesting component to it is I needed, I guess, my parents or whoever was there to sort of parse that information
1: to me when I saw them or like maybe the one English speaking doctor they had. That is wild. So you mentioned young age, you get a new lease on life. You decide to go to college at USC all the way across the country, Take me through the process of a New York kid deciding to go to LA to go to college. And then I mean, sounds like you were like me, where it's like, I don't really know what I want to do. I mean, I know what my passion is, but like I don't know if that's actually going to be like a career thing. Take me through the USC piece of it into into you know Columbia Law School and doing what you do today. What was USC like? Sure. So I didn't really have a chance to look at colleges
2: at all because I was uh I was, you know doing like this whole injury recovery thing for the last two years of high school. So my college process was very different than that of my friends. So it was like, all right, you got to recover, get physically healthy, rush to take the SATs, you know, rush to apply to college and sort of finish high school. When you finish high school, I had my own modified schedule and I knew I couldn't take the SAT twos. So like before maybe where I was being shaped up a little bit to look at some of these like Ivy League schools and stuff like that, that make you take SAT twos, after that, it was like, all right, you can't go to those schools. So for me, this was perfect because I grew up, like I said, loving college football. None of those schools that I was looking at before have any semblance of a college football program. So I was like, this is great. Now my parents, you know, are so happy that I'm alive. They're more willing to like (laughs) what I want. I'm going to push for like a big football school. That's always what I wanted. It was between USC and Michigan. I grew up an Ohio state fan. And, uh, I just, I went to, I went to look at Michigan after I got in, it was the only school I really looked at and it was April. It was freezing cold and I hated Michigan. And I was like, I just can't do this. And I got into USC and, you know, I was like, this sounds perfect. I watched Reggie Bush on TV growing up and watched like uh, um am videos and all that stuff that they made about like the best colleges and I was like this place has warm weather a great football team and like a good social life I'm in I never went to visit I didn't know anyone
1: there and that was really it the like, term storytelling can sound corny sometimes, but like it, to me, with the way I've gone in my path is the most accurate piece of it, Like I don't really consider myself, I'm uh, definitely not a reporter anymore, I don't really consider myself any sort of like serious like journalist, I just like talking to people and telling their stories, whether it's writing or the podcast sense, so when did you kind of get that itch that you knew you were pretty good at telling people a story? I had no idea at all
2: going to undergrad. When I went to undergrad, it was right after the social network came out. And I watched the social network and I was like, wow, anybody with an idea can make a startup and become a billionaire.
1: (laughs) And And you're right there, West Coast, right? I mean, that's kind of where everything happens. I know like literally Silicon Valley is a little further north, but you're kind of right in the heart of it.
2: Exactly. And I was like, L.A. has an emerging tech scene. I justified all that. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to become like a tech billionaire, even though I had no knowledge of coding or any of that. And I'm, like, I'm going to buy a sports team, like classic, obnoxious, jaded kid. You think you have the world uh, your fingertips. You think you have the world by the balls. And I realized I didn't like that. Like, you know, something I guess you learn from college. Most of what I learned from college didn't come from class. Most of that came from experience. And I realized I just didn't like that. And when you're working, you know, you're going to have, I'm sure you've seen this, you're going to have such a long period of struggle before you achieve your success. If you don't like what you're struggling at, you're going to tap out before you get to success. It's just not sustainable to do something for day after day, year after year, and possibly for decades before you, you sniff success.
1: And not like it unless you're a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) And to put that better, myself, I mean, it was kind of like the days I got started doing high school football. I got like my first like real like outlet, I would say. I mean, I was at the student newspaper, but the current ledger was the statewide newspaper. And Courtney Cronin, who now covers the Bears for ESPN, was the high school reporter there at the time and gave me some high school assignments. And I kept doing it. And then I got a couple of years into high school football and I was like, you know this is going to be a long road up, but at the end of the day, I can look out onto a high school football field and I can see this community coming together. I can see, you know, dudes on the field giving it their all like, I actually like what I'm watching and I like what I'm doing. Like this may suck in the day to day, but at least I like at base level what I'm doing. So I cannot relate to that more. So you get out of school, you end up doing the law school thing. We kind of covered earlier all the way up to this point of doing the Ole Miss documentary. How do you, How do you do a documentary? I know you'd worked on some projects before, but when you like, I got the idea, this is what I want to do. Where do you start besides, you know, me and you bullshitting on a phone call after I get off work on a Wednesday? Like, where does the actual idea start and the implementation of it? So first, really where it started, I guess, which is different about, you know, I've done a few narrative
2: projects, uh, a couple shorts. With that, it's much different, right? Because you're writing a script and then it's just about putting your crew together, essentially just become the general manager of the project, sort of like you do in a documentary. But it's you have total control of hiring everyone If in a documentary. You're doing it about something. So you also need to get permission from that person who you're doing it about where it's very different. So that's where I really started with the athletic department. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. Because I just, I knew I needed to do it, but it would be a very difficult and a lot less attractive project to display and to pitch if I didn't have their participation or their willingness to help me. Yeah, like doing it on the fringes would just be much harder it would be near impossible. You know, I would have to go to the game myself. Maybe I could meet a couple people in town and, you know, maybe I could have connected with a couple of reporters and maybe I could have even connected with a couple of season ticket holders or whatever, but it would have been very difficult to go through. I mean, think of how much stuff we did on campus that would all had to come be greenlit by the university. So I knew I needed their help and I guess I was hoping, you know, sort of how I characterized the university before in the most endearing way that maybe I would have a potential like I, I didn't see it going to where it did now. I thought I would have a bit of help because, you know, I figured also like, look, LSU, Alabama and Georgia. They have the entire national media there every single weekend. Almost you get a good chunk of the national media, but not to that level where it's like the circus that has been going through these places. So I thought, you know, it'll be a really legit athletic department and media division of that department because it's the SEC. But maybe because it's a little bit more of like a, a neighborhoody feel field type school, the SEC, I'll have a little bit More of an easy time connecting. Uh, That was not the case. I really, (laughs) I really had a difficult time getting through. I I remember sitting. We were on vacation in Colorado, and I wrote this email. And my brothers, who you met, who were with me, were like, "That's an awesome email. You should send that out." Like, like we all thought I was going to send out that email, and everybody was going to respond and be like, "That's great." And nobody responded. And I just started going down the list. I was like, you know, I need someone in the athletic department. And then you know, I kind of shifted. From looking at people in the media and the public relations part of the athletic department to thinking, what if I start going after people in the fundraising department? Because these people, their job is to raise money and to interact and be people persons. So one, they probably know everyone in the Ole Miss community. And two, they're probably just friendly, sociable people whose job is to, you know, bring in for the university, not to shield the university. So then I started playing that angle, and that's where I really had a breakthrough. And once I got that breakthrough, and I knew like I was on to a little bit of something, then I really started to dive in. And that's sort of where you said, you know, you took a look at my list. I looked up, like, there were like, I did, like, you know, when you do those Google searches and you open up like 15 different tabs on the same thing and read oh, them yeah. one. <laughs> so that's basically what I did. I did, like, Ole Miss game day weekend, or like Ole Miss Oxford best restaurants, or Ole Miss Oxford best bars, or Ole Miss Oxford most important stores, or whatever. And I took a lot of it also off the Oxford Chamber of Com- Commerce Visit Oxford website, and I basically from that pinned down all the businesses and that i needed to you know visit and then i did it for like you know the media and i did it for every component like everything about the school there was a lot of stuff we didn't even get so then i had that list and i just started you know modifying that email that i sent to the athletic department and i had to change it up a little bit more but basically saying something of the same variety and trying to set up the uh all the visits and everything to you know really get my weekend scheduled out and once I got everyone committed once I started and you I mean you know me and you were going back and forth me you and partner were going back and forth this is who I have this is what I'm looking for and like you know there were some things I didn't even have like a person for like you know former player I didn't know where to find that I just said I needed to meet a former player and that was like something y'all really helped me with But once I got everyone on board, then it became like, all right, this is who we have. And now we need to put them into times because certain people could only meet at different times. And it was sort of in flux even until like right before the trip, because there were a couple of things that, you know, I was only going to be able to see at certain times. And there were a couple of things I wasn't sure. And I needed to make sure people could accommodate me. Like luckily, City Grocery and Chef Curran's were unbelievable at meeting me at the meal times that were most optimal for me so that I could go see Handy Andy at the only time I was able to see them because I was having lunch with Brad Norsworthy on Friday at Tallahatchie Gourmet so I couldn't go to Handy Andy on Friday I obviously couldn't go Saturday and you know they're pretty much only open for lunch so it was Thursday lunch I needed to go they're not open Sunday And then it was like Taylor grocery, you know, I'm going to go to city grocery Thursday, snack bar Wednesday, you were there for both. All right. I need Taylor grocery Friday night and I need them to like help me out here because I'm going to go watch everyone storm the grove. So I'm not going to be able to wait for three hours and another place that was tremendous. And then we just fit everything into their time slots, drew up a schedule and we're like, all right, we got it. Now we just have to hit it all.
1: We'll get back to Jake and his story in just a second, but I wanted to take a quick break to remind you. This podcast is brought to you by Twisted T. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted T. your... Go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted tea is unlike any other hard beverage you've ever had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a flavorful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted tea turns up on any occasion, especially when you're cheering on your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted tea is their day. elevate your game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats. Right now it's three, six ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. It's about a $40 evaluation you're getting there for $20. Just go in, show Greg proof of subscription. Tell him you know about the Rippy Rights newsletter. He'll get you set up and then go find all of your own favorites. It's the greatest butcher shop in the world. Incredible cuts of meat. I love the filet burgers, all kinds of delicious sausages. The tri-tip is incredible. It's truly a gem of Oxford and a gem of the South. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Jake. The way you articulated how you broke into it too is very smart. And honestly, it kind of made me learn a lesson in real time. There was like, you emailed the athletic department, me and you both talked about the art of like the modern cold call, which is not really a cold call. It's just an email DM where you copy paste, change the name and boom. Nah, you know, if perfect. I send 50 of these out and five of them stick, damn yeah. it, we had a great day. Like uh, it works, but you going to donations and the alumni association, all that is a really smart way to approach it because exactly what you said, they're not designed to shield the university, they're designed to promote it and at the end of the day, get people's money. But I mean, the, the mindset of those people are very different. And that's how we got connected was through Dinson Hollis, who has been tremendous to me. The player partnership we've had on this podcast, it's really been a game changer all the way up to Shepard Smith last Friday, which I just walked yeah. up to y'all on Wednesday night. I was like, hey, Dinson got me Shepard Smith. He's been awesome. That said, he didn't tell me a word about like this project or what you were doing before you texted me. So I talked to him on, or talked to you, excuse me, whatever that day was about three weeks out. And I texted Denson and he was like, yeah, you know, I talked to my guy, whatever. And he was like, yeah, sorry, I should have warned you. Like, I didn't mean to give your number out like that. I was like, dude, the more the merrier you can give your number out, my number out to whoever the hell you want. And that's when we kind of started getting connected. And you had a pretty good idea of what did you wanted to do by that point. And I found it fascinating like really how planned out you actually had the whole thing by that point i mean i was sending you some contact information i was like talk to this guy talk to that guy but you had a very good plan so y'all fly to oxford on a wednesday night y'all get in in time to make it to dinner at snack bar what are your impressions of oxford mississippi on a wednesday night after driving down from memphis you know it feels like the calm before the storm what were kind of your first impressions
2: I mean, we were counting down the days before this. We were so excited for this whole thing. And it's funny how well it turned out, because I'll tell you, just to bring it back for a sec, it felt like this thing was so on such shaky ground until we actually started doing this. And then I was like, wow, this is working abnormally well so <laughs> so it actually it's really how it turned out and it's definitely reassuring for next time and hopefully if we get this thing picked up what we could really do with a budget and a proper team the plan so anyway we get there thing about oxford from new york is it's a very easy commute because you have memphis an hour away and then it's direct from laguardia to memphis so we get in we go to memphis you know originally i was like all right Um, so first let me back up. I had a class Wednesday night at the start of the school year and it was a Wednesday night class. And I was pretty much like, you know, once I realized like that it could possibly serve me to drop a class that I was taking too many credits, that was my main motivation for dropping it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to drop this class. I don't have to take the red eye to Memphis and get in at 12. I want to get in at like four, hey,
1: so you dropped a law school class to get an earlier fight to get to Oxford. Kind of <laughs> talk about commitment. No, just own it. That's amazing.
2: Kind of. Basically, the, my advisor told me that I was taking too many credits, I and mean, like I was borderline. Right, I was gonna have to take one credit too many this semester, or one credit less because I transferred to Columbia. So I had to make up a class that they teach at Columbia one L year that they didn't teach at my other school. Okay. So I was. Because I had to make up a class, I was either going to be one credit too many or one too less. And I could have gone either way. The one too many would have been a really stressful semester. And the one too less would have been like a little bit more laissez-faire. And originally, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the one too many, get the toughest thing out of the way. And then I thought about it for like a day, the first week of school. I'm like, I need to get to Oxford early Wednesday. Originally, my plan was like, you know, Memphis is known for barbecue, So I'm like, all right, great. I'll get in early and I'll get to one of these barbecue places. I'm a big foodie also. And then like as the trip started to get more momentum, I just became so amped on it. I'm like, I need to get to Oxford ASAP. I need to get in like I'll stop in Memphis if I have time on the way home at the end of the weekend. I need to get to Oxford as soon as possible. Get this all lined up Wednesday. Get going like, you know, use Wednesday as a more i'm not gonna have time thursday friday so really use wednesday as a more informal thing to meet people who like have been helping me and who are you know at this point kind of my pen pals my modern day pen pals not just people who i'm meeting once over the weekend and that was you yost was in that category portner was in that category he couldn't join us on wednesday but i was like all right i'll just meet all these people on wednesday and go for dinner so we get down really underwhelming drive down obviously a lot of people have done it you know there's you don't pass anything and i was told you you didn't pass anything and i was like all right like you know you're you like pass- a new
1: york kid it's like literally nothing and then you're there
2: literally nothing and you know i'm like i'm bumping like the loop Bryan and the Morgan Mar- Wall <laughs> in the car i'm like i'm getting into like my whole mode like all the rap and like you know like Springsteen and everything. That's like my normal, you know, thing. And I do like country music. My friends in college got me into it, but all my normal music besides for country's out the window, I'm like, I'm very much a person you get somewhere. You really got to get in the, the zeitgeist of the place. Little did I know they'd be bumping David Guetta in the fourth quarter and all the music that they play at the Vought. So get in there. My first sight of Oxford is, I guess the way I came in was Jackson Ave.
1: Oh yeah, that's right, that's the exit. That was very
2: underwhelming. I'm like, (laughs) all right, like, you know, so much for the small town charm. Here's every big name fast food place I've ever heard of in my life on one street. And then we went in. You know, we went to. uh...
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.
2: city growth or sorry snack bar and snack bar was also right off the square but also in like a shopping center and i was like all right like right not the most like scenic location i didn't kind of dancing it around really it really to look like this yeah but the food was great everyone was lovely there and i'm like you know what i can get behind this and then you and yost showed up and y'all started chopping it up about all football and just like the way the conversation turned i'm like this is exactly why i did this I think, like, he came first, like, dabs us up, like, was like, what's up, champ? Like, you know, hyping us up, like, sits down, like, orders a drink, starts talking to me and my brother, like, he's known us our whole life. Um, like, this is exactly what I, then you come in, and he, like, starts going off to you, like, before you can even sit down about your podcast and about the Alabama game. And I'm like, you know, this is it. Like, this is going to be great. And I knew, like, we had gold from that moment on. And then after dinner, we saw the square and I'm like, all right, I can get behind this town. Like there's definitely a town here. It's not just like uh, a Popeye's and a uh, Taco Bell and the KFC and all that stuff on the street. That street is actually outside the town. The town everybody promised me would be here is actually here.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of a sign of like what Oxford growing. It's weird. You know, I, me growing up here, um, believe it or not, there was actually a time when I was a kid in the Grove, you could actually go find a spot in the Grove to play football. Cause there were so many spaces, not the case today. And like that between like the Jackson Avenue and everything g- growing out, it's like, man, this place is not what it used to be, but it's like the town is still there. It's just growing further out. I remember meeting y'all. I mean, it's basically a week ago as we recorded this on a Wednesday night and I didn't really know what I was walking into. I had just done a podcast with God knows who. I know that was a whole seven days ago. And I remember walking into Snack Bar and I was like, all right, where are y'all in the back? And then literally, as soon as I walked in the door, I saw the camera kid and I was like, I think these are my people. Like, I think I'm going to go sit down there. And it was just a good conversation. Y'all you know I mean, y'all you know, had everything set up. It was awesome. And I was like, all right, this is going to be a great project. The Thursday, though, while I'm slaving away at my day job, y'all had a great day. Y'all went and did the, I believe that was the day y'all got the tour of the Manning Center. I guess we can let the cat out of the bag now. When I first texted you, I texted you all those numbers, and then I was like, hey, here's Keith Carter's number, but don't tell him where you got it from, (laughs) just in case. And he apparently could not have been better to y'all, which is not surprising to me. Take me through that Thursday, Keith taking y'all through the facility with Javon, and I know Portman ended up showing up there. What was that like that Thursday where you get the full first full day of like filming and seeing the town?
2: Yeah. So Keith was awesome. I, I, when you gave me Keith's number, I was so used to dealing with the USC athletic department and, you know, Pat Hayden and uh, all that stuff. And I guess like that kind of shaped my whole big time college athletics view. And I'm like, there's no way this guy responds, like, which is I'll, an accurate view. He's an
1: outlier. As we talked yeah. about huge outlier.
2: Yeah. I'm like, I'll text him because why not shoot your shot. Right. But there's no way he responds. And I texted him. And he didn't respond. And I'm like, all right, classic director. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll follow up again, just in case. I'm sure this guy's really busy. He's running a major athletic program. I'll text him again. And he responded. And not only did he respond, he set up a call. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is the best. And, yeah, then he set up the tour. Uh, So we started Thursday. First, we went to Triple B. We had breakfast with John Currence and... The Like after a few minutes, I just felt like a real kinship with John. He's one of the best people I've ever met. Just an awesome, awesome guy with an amazing story. And he was just telling us his whole story about food and, you know, his career and all that. And it was just like, you know, as we've talked about in our own regards of how, you know, there's things we love and we want to do, it's very much the same way with John and he didn't realize that in life as early as people think. So I really resonated with his story in my own way. And then, you know, we just have a very shared love of food and rock and roll and all that stuff. And he loves football and we talked a lot about football and he loves my guy, Eli. So we talked a lot about that, did a lot of recapping there. And we're just, shopping it up for like two hours i was only supposed to meet him for like 40 minutes and i was just like i you know what sometimes in life you just you have to let the moment go that's like the the beauty of it when you're meeting people you really just uh you connect with and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna push everything back and i'm gonna talk to this guy as long as he can talk to us because this is going great uh luckily martin fisher who runs the campus visits office was awesome about that so then we went on to campus to take our tour and when we went out to campus, let me backtrack one more second. The triple B breakfast, by the way, was everything I could have hoped in that. So one of the best breakfasts I've had in my life and very much of like the local flavor sort of thing I was going for. So we go on to campus. Campus is beautiful. That was like, when I was like, wow, like campus is the anti Jackson Ave. It's very much like, in line with the town it like I said to Fisher like you just got to take the smell from this campus and put it in hotel lobbies like it just it smelled so good because there were so many trees and flowers and stuff everywhere and it was just a beautiful day and like we saw the grove empty for the first time which was cool because we knew we were going to get back and see it in a different capacity a couple like even the next day and we just walked around we saw everything I'm like all right this is an awesome campus and I'm really getting behind this place. Then we went to Roanoke and they were awesome. Bill, the curator of Roanoke was terrific. Also has a football mind. Everybody wanted to talk football and whether that was the original intent or not. And that was really cool. Cause I mean, how many college towns have a icon, the likes of William Faulkner in their backyard. So we got to see all that. And it was really cool to experience and really see that Faulkner was like, you know, he uh he had a lot of social commentary that was, I guess, contrarian to, uh you know, what the attitude in the area was at the time. So he was rather, you know, unique in that way. And that definitely did not create him a lot of favors at the time at the university. But at the same time, he was really a guy's guy. Like you love to like go hunting. You love to play golf. You love to take his boat out. So like, it was cool to see, you know, this guy is like, Actually, like, allowed to be celebrated today because he was, you know, like, his, I guess, outlook on life was, like, morally right in regard to, you know, what was going on then, and the university can really champion that, but he seemed like a cool guy at the same time. Like, he boozed, he played golf, and he drunk, and, like, that was cool learning about that and seeing his old golf clubs and all that stuff. And Bill was terrific in telling us about all that. Then we went to Andy, Andy. That was just your classic, you know, neighborhood oh, yeah. burger. That was just classic. You know, you felt like you walked back in time going in there. Like, I love the trays. I love. I was like, I walked in there and I'm like, this is a place I need to get a T-shirt of. Like, you know, I evaluate, I guess, also like local places like that. Like, if you were from Oxford or went to Ole Miss and you saw me in an airport in like a faraway city or different country wearing something related to that community. Would you have a lot of respect for me if it was this? And with regard to Handy Andy, I'd be like, I'd get a lot of street cred for Handy Andy that this is just classic. And the burger was great. The people were awesome. It just like, you know, it felt like you could imagine like Archie Manning sitting in this place 50 years ago. And then we went back to campus. We met with William Knipe. He was terrific. Um, I definitely will keep an eye out for him as he continues to move up the administration ladder. I see him as someone who will do that just like an awesome guy, like very much like you could tell this guy could be like a politician, just like great, great talker um had a lot of interesting stuff to share with us not just about the program but we learned a lot about the university from him which was also really cool because again this isn't just a football thing this is really a community thing and then we had a great time talking to him he's like i'll drive you guys to keith so we went to keith and that was awesome like i mean the athletic director two days before his team's biggest home game of the year i'm sure he has a lot of boosters in town made an hour and a half to sit and talk with us and take us on that the floor. is so wild. Like it's unbelievable. I'm so appreciative of that. Like, like I said, this university has me for life with how they treated me.
1: So tell me what Keith does. He takes y'all through the uh, the I uh, the Manning Center, all that. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. I was just like, man, I can't believe ninety minutes. Like you mentioned, day for one of the biggest games of the year. So take me through what y'all do after that. So he takes us through.
2: You know, we we go around, I mean, the Manning Center is unbelievable. So we walk through it all. We do the whole center. Then we walk through the tunnel because the Manning Center connects to the VOT through a tunnel. The team locker room is in the Manning Center, and they walk through this long tunnel into the bot on game days, and they go into a separate locker room under the stands for halftime so they don't have to walk back. So we did the whole walk. We did all that. I mean, we just saw it all. Like, basically where I would like to go with this show for next – season if i can get it picked up is in something like that you know we took a tour right and we saw everything but if i had a little bit more clout and i'd like an espn or an omaha production production shout out omaha if you're listening please pick me up um and more time right like more time to do stuff too it would be like you know they took us on the tour of the football facility like Make make us try and catch like a couple passes on the dr- the judge machine or run us through a couple drills or like make us in the cold tub for 15 minutes, like stuff like that, like more interactive because I mean, the facility was awesome, but, it, you know, or like run us through like a strength and conditioning workout, something like that. So like, it was really cool to see all that. Like, I'd love to like interact with that stuff and experience it from that angle. So we did that. Then uh, we went to Bure for Rep Talk. That was, I guess, just interesting to see, you know, how uh how a show like that gets such a crowd on a Thursday afternoon. That was just like very much quintessential sec. Um, that was my David Kellum experience for the weekend. And uh then we went back. I met up with you guys. Porter was with me at this point. Porter was with me the rest of the day. Then we went to the event. Yeah, we
1: linked back up at this point, right? We go to that event, yep. go to the library. And then this is how I knew y'all had really made an imprint on the town. We we're sitting at a library. You said you had a reservation at City Grocery. And I'm looking at Porter. I was like, hey, if this reservation is for, like, six and we're the seventh and eighth, like, we just need to let these guys do their thing. And you're like, dude, it'll be fine. We can put two more chairs up. And I was like, that's not really how that works. And then we walk in. They have no problem with it. And we get, like, a center eight top at, like, 830 on a Thursday night at City Grocery. Like without any sort of question. And you were like, yeah, me and Currents really hit it off. And I'm looking at Porter like, who the fuck is this guy? Like John Currents. he doesn't have no clue who I am. I know who he is, obviously, from his restaurants. But you're like, yeah, we really hit it off. He was great. But the fact that we got in City Grocery at Thursday night with the eight people was just wild to me. So I think you're pretty much the mayor of Oxford. I think that's what I texted my fiance at the time while we (laughs) were sitting at dinner. Y'all, Y'all absolutely hit it off with him. That was wild to me and a hell of a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, he's terrific. He's like I said, I can't say enough good things about him. He really took good care of us, and uh, they even they moved us tables there because originally we were on the yeah. long table, and they were like, you know what, you guys are gonna have trouble talking to each other, and they moved us to the round table. And then we really we had a great dinner, a lot of laughs at that dinner.
1: That might be the first time I felt like an actual VIP in my life. I'm like, hey, I'm just here with the camera crew. So you will know, go through Friday. What do y'all do Friday? We'll just go through the whole list. What'd you do? Friday, we woke up in the morning, we met, we went to the Beacon
2: for breakfast, then we met Michael Katz, who covers the team for Northeast Mississippi, that was cool, because he's an SC guy, and, uh, you know, LA Jew, I'm a New York Jew, both SC guys, my minor was in sports media, he was a sports media graduate student, so you know to get that sort of outside perspective that I wanted, like you know to experience the whole SEC thing from someone else who clearly felt like the same sort of way, and hear what it was like for him actually being there, that was awesome. Because you know it was I've obviously it was awesome talking to you guys. I love you guys, but you guys all grew up with it. It's just like it's a totally different thing than someone like Katz who came in who grew up in Pasadena. Ten minutes from downtown la and then all of a sudden came in and now he's living in oxford so to hear about that from his perspective was very cool and uh after that we're like you know what the way i sort of structured it is originally we're going to be around the square a bit and then i was like you know what let's spend like one chunk of time in the square or we can knock off all these businesses and places like we just want to pop in and meet and stuff so we went to nielsen's square books didn't let us film inside so we just took him from the street we went to proud larry's we went to university sporting goods and merged up for the game we uh where else did we go we went oh and we hung out this is when things started to really i guess pick up oh we had lunch with norsworthy too that was awesome that was like a that was like Norsworthy and I spoke on the phone the week before and we spoke for like 45 minutes about sports. I'm like, this guy could be one of my best friends. And -hmm. we just had such a kinship. We like lunch was just exactly the same thing. It was like just sports on sports on sports. And one of the things Norsworthy said, which really was awesome, is he said, you know, everyone talks about game day, but to me, there's nothing better than Friday afternoon into Friday evening in an SEC town. When everyone lets out of work in class and starts to come into the streets and all the visiting fans come into town and you just see the energy picking up and nobody's depressed yet because no team has lost. So everybody's optimistic. And after that, we went to meet Lee Harris at Funkies. He took us around Funkies and hung out with us for a few minutes. And it's like, 2 30 in the afternoon and funky's is slammed oh yeah oh wow like oh boy like we're here i said to my brothers like this is it this is what we signed up for like everybody's on the streets you see all the purple and gold coming into the bars are slammed the square is slammed like this is you know what we signed up for and at that moment i got like a real like I, i have like goosebumps now thinking about i got a real adrenaline rush from just being a part of that
1: we'll get back to jake in just one second but i wanted to take one more quick break to remind you this podcast is now brought to you by mc speech therapy Has your child been diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or another developmental disorder mc speech therapy offers private speech therapy from the comfort of your own home other centers may leave you as the parent sitting in the waiting room. MC speech therapy enables parents to make every moment with their child therapeutic using a relationship-based framework. MC speech therapy can help your child engage, relate, and communicate. Marie-Claire Boudreaux's doctorate level expertise and passion in helping children with communication difficulties offers articulation and language therapy, parent training, is, and is licensed to do virtual therapy across the state of Mississippi. With MC Speech Therapy, you and your family will gain a better understanding of your child while cultivating stronger relationships. For service today, call 903-824-8575 or email her at maryclaire at mcspeechtherapy.net. That is m-a-r-y-c-l-a-i-r-e at mcspeechtherapy.net. All right, back to Jake's story. So we get to Saturday. One of my favorite parts about Saturday was I really enjoyed talking to your brothers at dinner on Thursday night. Michael and I did the whole local thing where we just sheltered like recluses at his house on Friday night. We meet, we meet back up with you on Saturday in the Grove and you all show up to where Michael's tent was initially. And your brothers are just decked out at Ole Miss University sporting goods, Ole Miss stuff. And I was like, I think these guys have had a good time in this town. It made me smile like ear to ear. It cracks me up you go to the walk of champions to film your brothers just kind of hang out with us while we're at Michael's tent. Then we kind of mosey over to my tent. And what cracked me up was y'all get done with the walk of champions. And I'm like, "All right, come in our tent for a little bit. And then of course my dad was just like, Brian Scott showed up with the film crew. I'm like, Hey, we're doing a project here, pal. Just play it cool. And so y'all start filming it. What's the Grove like? What's filming the Grove like on a Saturday? Obviously it's chaotic. It's probably a little more crowded than even y'all could have thought. It was more crowded than I could have ever thought. What's it actually like filming the Grove on a Saturday before a game? Okay. So let me back up a little bit on parts of Friday
2: and I'll get into the Grove. So after this, on Friday, we went to band practice and met with the band and the rebelettes. And that was really cool also, because that's just big time college football seeing the band and the cheerleaders And one of the band drum guys was like to me, he's like, man, I just walk into that stadium and I get chill bumps. And I just like I heard that. I'm like, all right, like that one that's going to my doc. That's like a perfect soundbite. And two, like, you know, just like I'm really like as the weekends going up, I'm feeling more and more passion and feeling more and more attached to the school and then I heard from like the rebelettes they were like you know what we grew up we were those kids who when they do shine a light they would grab us and come out and dance with us in the Grove show and now we're the ones grabbing them and it's like a dream come true and those were both really cool moments then we walk over and we see trash can Friday and the storming of the Grove that was wild that was like Black Friday on steroids just a lot of yeah. With like a lot less rules like if you just get beat up you get beat up Oh my God, a lot of excess testosterone with these uh, fraternity pledges. I needed mean, just like these kids, these kids are just, they don't get it. I told them, like, look, I had to sign a location agreement with the school. Like, if you act like an ass, you're just not going to be in the dock. Like, you're only doing yourself a disservice. And like, they were just like, oh, like, we got to fight for our territory. Saw so a couple of fights. I'm like, <laughs> all right, like, you know, there's a little much with that these That is guys. perfect but it was obviously it was something to see and then we went to you know taylor grocery somehow in taylor grocery eli was there with his family and i miss him and i was so busy like setting up like the shots and coordinating like the interview with sarah margaret the owner's daughter so one of the owners herself who's just like one of the greatest people you'll meet too and uh i just somehow didn't see eli and then we sit down and they're like how do you all feel that your hero was just two tables away from me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, Eli. And I'm like, no way. But again, hopefully they see it. They love it. We sell to them. They're the first family of the SEC. Uh, That's like, I'm manifesting every day produce having them help us produce this project. So um, let's see what happens there. But Taylor was awesome. Then we went back, checked out the Lyric. Went to funky's funky's was slammed on Friday night, but we didn't stay for that long because we're like, we just we gotta get up early at it tomorrow. And I mean, that was just a day for the ages, Saturday. Like we woke up, like we were in the grove before anyone. So it was empty when we came in. And my cinematographer Cooper was like, you know, I can't believe how empty it is. Um, because he's been to a bunch of Ole Miss games. He's an old Miss film student and he grew up big old Miss family. And then it just started to fill up and like By like 12, it's starting to really bump. One o'clock, it's slammed. I mean, there's just so much electricity there. It is just college football at its finest. It was like, as that was like the only time the weekend where I'm like, man, I wish I could just stop working for a little bit and just like soak this in personally, you know, kick back a few drinks and really just have a day with all these people who I'm now at this point friends with who like all just want us to come hang out, you know?
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, that's that's kind of when it becomes the peak before the game, right? It's it's when it's packed in the grove and nobody's mad. I mean, I thought the Norseweather quote you mentioned a mid, uh, minute ago was pretty telling of like Friday afternoon where it's like it's starting. That's like what it's building up to because the game is a whole different beast. So you go film that. You had a pretty decent spot for the Walk of Champions. What did you think of that?
2: That was very cool. That uh, that was like the me and my cinematographer had a moment there. Because I, I, I'm the taller one, so he's like, "All right, you need to lift this camera up. I'm <laughs> off the thing. You need to lift it up over your head." And I was just, I was holding this thing up, like, you know, like that. I forget. Maybe it's like I'm thinking of like it was like Moses with the Red Sea or something like that. Like just holding. I remember
1: you coming back to our tent. You're like, "Dude, my arms hurt. I just had oh to hold God. this camera I above my head for crazy. what seemed like an hour."
2: It was heavy, but it was, you know, we got the shot. So, like, I guess that's what it's about, right? It was watching them, and I'm happy we got it where we were, because originally I was going to go to someone's tent that was right on the walk. But the fact that I got to see the buses pull up with the cheerleaders lined up right there and walking through the arch, like, that added, like, another dose of electricity.
1: So then you go to the game, and from my perspective, I told this to someone on the Sunday podcast, I was perfectly happy – I didn't have tickets. I usually mooch off my parents' tickets. And if they don't have them, I just watch it at my house. I ran into my cousin, which I mentioned on the Sunday show. And he was like, just come into the game. Like, we have an extra ticket. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was the first time in a long time I'd actually been inside the stadium, not in like a club level. I know that sounds pretentious, but like in the actual stands, like metal bleachers in the Sound Dome, as my co-host Weldon called it the other day, like actually in the mix. And it made reminded me of just how awesome college football is at its peak. Take me through the stadium and what that game is like and what it was like filming that game because it ended up being a thriller. I couldn't have promised you that when you texted me the first time, but uh, I could have promised you something close, but it ended up being something even better.
2: For sure. So the Grove was the only part where we ran into some trouble, uh, you know, the rest of the, the days were seamless moving from one place to the other. The Grove, you know, I, I didn't fully account for how packed it was going to get. So it was really tough moving around there. And, you know, that was the only place we dropped a few minutes. So when the Grove show ended, I'm like, all right, guys, we got to scramble to the stadium to get all this footage pregame before everyone goes off the field. Because if we piss away those field passes like that would be a huge loss. And I could not find where you get the media passes. Uh, It was somewhere in the pavilion. Nobody was answering their phones because it was the heart of game day. I'm scrambling around like a chicken with my head cut off for like 15 minutes thinking like, shit, like this is it. I lost it. Somehow my little brother finds it, saves the day, gets us the passes. We get on the field and, you know, we walk in through the normal entrance, too, which was great. They just saw our passes. They're like, well, you guys just come on right through. Come on through we're carrying so much shit and nobody stopped us with anything. So like, if you're listening, Ole Miss, Ole Miss athletics, you know, definitely something to take note of there. Like we walk through with our whole like army of stuff. <laughs> and then we get onto the field, we walk out, we get onto the tunnel. Um, we get over the Ole Miss side. That was cool. Like watching it warm up and the stadium fill up from down there was very cool. I mean, something that's like great about all Miss, which is, you know, Indicative of big time college football. Everybody's in their seat before the game, which is like, that's how, you know, it's like big time and the passion's there. Everybody's in their seat, like watching the players huddle up and then they run off the field and how hyped up the crowd gets. That was awesome. I mean, the pageantry of the band, of the skydivers, of the helicopter, that was all like, it was big time. And, you know, I didn't fully get to it appreciate the band as much from down there because i was just so focused on making sure we got all the shots and also it's easier to appreciate it all a little bit i guess when you can see them like marching in formation when you're on field level it's a little tough to see that but like you know just seeing them that close up was like surreal like there were like a few moments where i was like near tears on the field i said to my brothers like i can't believe we're here and we made it this far and we're doing it that's amazing that's amazing it was like surreal, and you know, everyone started leaving the field before like the pregame ended. And I'm like, "We're gonna stay here till they kick us out." Like I said to my cinematographer Cooper, "We're literally gonna stay here until they drag us out because like I want to just get as much as possible." So we stayed. We got the anthem. We were right next to the team when they ran onto the field. Uh, we saw it all. Then at kickoff, they kicked us out, and it took us a little bit to get up to the seats. So we did miss that first drive. Um, But I was watching it walking through the hall and I'm like, oh, oh, well, like hopefully they score again. Nice to get some good reaction shots. Excuse me. At this point. I'm like, we've had such a weekend. I just need a few reaction shots. And like, we'll call it at that. Like, you know, ultimately it's about the community. Right. It was never really about the game. Like I'm like, you know, the game's only a small part of it. Like if I could get a few reaction shots of the crowd with all the footage I got on the field, I'm good and that was the attitude after the first half and you know i never saw i you couldn't have scripted it better for me in a million years it's like i said it's dude, unbelievable okay i said sometimes in life there are a few times in life fate's just going to reach out to extend a hand and you need to know when to grab it and i said with my brother i said to him when they went down and my brother by the way at this point is like totally sauce because he wasn't working. He was just helping. <laughs> he got lit up at the tailgate. He threw a ton of they threw a ton of money on Ole Miss, just probably partially
1: G- our fault, but uh, you know, yeah. we'll see. And Ole
2: Miss was not sharp that day at all. They just were like, We gotta support them. They've been so good to us. They threw a ton of money on them. And I said to him, you know, when they went down with nine minutes left, he's like, I'm just, I just want them to cover two and a half. I think they're down nine at this point. So if they score a touchdown, they're covering. I'm like, listen to this, like, you know, if they win, they're going to storm because the only way they're winning this game is in the last minute on the final play. Now this, because it's a two possession game and like the way college works with no two minute warning, you know, when you want to waste time and you're up, it's way easier to waste time. And You know, I didn't expect them to come back and win like that. I said, you know, it would be too fortuitous to us if they did Um, like that. That's just like too best, too much best case scenario. You know, what's really probably going to happen is like they're going to lose. It'll be a close game. Everyone walks out the press. Talent isn't as lively as it would be. And like, whatever. Like, we'll just say like, you know what? We got a great weekend. We got a lot of good footage. That's it never did I expect them to stop LSU, which they were having a lot of trouble doing all day. Very impressed with Jaden Daniels, by the way. Uh, it was like the, almost
1: perfect for an entire yeah, half. And that throw at the end
2: was unbelievable. Like the one that got broken up at the end of the game. I said to the Porter, I said, I don't know if people are sleeping on this guy or not, but you should drive to Baton Rouge and see. <laughs> and I really think that guy could play in the pros. So they stop them. And I mean, you know, once they stop them you're like all right they're going to come back and win this cuz they've been moving the ball all game and there's a play i think on the drive before they had like a long third down right when they were down two possessions and they converted it early in the drive it was their first set of downs on that drive like that could have easily ended they could have lost by 9 they could have lost by 16 but then they come back i don't know why he scores uh, why Trey Harris just doesn't sit down and um, so some people will be like, Oh, you never know what's going to happen with the snap. But I mean, Ole Miss is the best kicker in the SEC. That guy... said,
1: they got a signal in late. And like, if you look at the panoramic on the sideline, like Trey Harris scores and Kiffin's on a knee, being like,
2: No, no, no. He it's was incredible. like,
1: pissed they scored the touchdown.
2: Shades of Ahmad Bradshaw in Super Bowl 46, where he oh, fell yeah. on that last
1: drive. So then,
2: like, I'm like, you know what? They left a lot of time left. Like, these guys have been moving all game. And all the LSU fans around us – my brother, by the way, is, like, so invested and so lit in this game and, you know, has money on all this. At this point, he's, like, going off at the LSU fans <laughs> who are around us, like, waving goodbye to them, like, get out of here, you know. And- one of
1: us, as the listeners would describe it, one sure. of us. And I'm wondering
2: why <laughs> – there's one great clip. You hear one of us on video because like we love the Southern accents. Like, and we got, we felt a real kinship with everyone. One of us at this point in the weekend, you see the LSU fans walking by. It might be me. It might be my brother. Just turns to me goes, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gold. And they're leaving. And I'm thinking, why are these guys leaving? Like, you know, they have a chance to win this game. And, uh, obviously they come and have that huge first play and I'm thinking, come on guys, just hold on. Like, give me my, give me my fucking, excuse me, give me my storm. Um, and by the grace of God, they hold on. And I mean, you can't put an ending better than that. And once the crowd starts coming on, I had my camera perfectly fixed on the student section because I knew it was coming And then I was just like, guys, like this place has really embraced us all weekend. Like they've shown us so much love. Like, like we got a storm. Like this is what we signed up for. Big time SEC, big time college football, the rivalry, the passion, the community, the bonding together of everyone to support the team, like the whole making it feel like the center of the universe in a small town. Everything's shutting down. Like this is it. Like we got a storm. And Of course we stormed. And I, I felt bad for Keith. I really did because when we were talking on Thursday, I was asking him about when they beat Kentucky at home, when Kentucky was a semi as the national finalist that year, they beat them at the tad pad and they stormed. And he was like, I loved it as a student. It was exhilarating, but as a, uh, athletic director, you know, it sucks. We're going to get fined. It's a bitter pill to swallow. And when it happens, I was like, you know, I real, real Keith's keeps the best. I feel really bad for my guy, but, uh, Hopefully this launches my career because that content was gold.
1: You and he both are a man of the people. You started a uh, a crowdfunding source that you text me today to like fundraise for the fine. And you're like, never mind, we're not allowed to do this. Apparently, this is a rule. But the it's the thought that counts. Like, truly, y'all are the man of the people. You should get an honorary old miss degree, honestly, at this point. So you guys finish up that game. You see the scene. I know it was pretty surreal that Saturday. I mean, how the night ended at like two o'clock in the morning at Michael's house where I was like, I, I got to roll. What are y'all? What's it like the next day? What's the come down? Like kind of what were your final thoughts about your weekend in Mississippi? It was a movie,
2: you know, you wake up and you're like, I can't believe that actually happened. And it just, like I said, I worked 60 hours and three and a half days, never for a second. Did I feel like I was working? And I just said, you know, I got to do whatever I can to be able to earn the right and have the privilege of doing this for a living. Because like it's like the whole time I was there and doing it, I was like, you know, this just feels what I was put on this earth to do. Like it just felt so like perfect. Like I was in such a flow state of it the whole time and coming back into reality, you know, you just crave that flow state. Like it's such a natural high. And I'm just like, we got to nail this at it. To, you know give ourselves the right to go out and do this again for a full season and you know come back to Oxford next year and go everywhere else or maybe even they want us to suspend a full season in Oxford who knows but we got to earn the right to do this and continue to do this because it was such a a privilege and a blessing to be able to do that over those few days and like waking up the next day like I said it, it felt like a dream like you just you never wanted it to end
1: perfect segue as we wrap up here is, Take us through kind of like what you want to do with this project, what the pitching process is like. We joked about it before we got on air where you had told me what you wanted to do. And you mentioned Netflix, someone there. So you eventually just became the Netflix kid. It's like, yeah, this guy's here from Netflix. And (laughs) I was like, Hey, I know you're not actually from Netflix, but like, we just keep saying that I looked at Portner and he was like, dude, it's so much easier to say. And I was like, I'm just going to keep it with it. What is the process like of editing making this into a real thing? And what are you trying to pitch it to be? Kind of take us through that. So we got 20 hours of
2: footage from our time in Oxford. So first, you know, most like people who are decision makers on production side, like the executives who are going to give us the funding and all that, they're not even going to watch a full episode. So we need to cut this 20 hours down into like the best three or four minutes that we could get. Like a that shows as good as it can possibly be. Then out of love for the university, you know, we're going to make a full episode one in case like there's like a real football person who wants to watch it. And also for the university to hopefully put out on their uh, athletic department website for everyone to see. And like these kids came down from New York to experience us all. And this is what it was like for them. So, I mean, first and foremost, we're going to make the real because um we gotta you know market this and try and pitch it to like as many people as we can and just use the same sort of thing we met ryan rusillo on the field he loved yeah he loved the idea he gave my brother's email so hopefully we're going to stay in touch with him and like hopefully he'll help us he said he definitely expressed interest in it um but really just doing that right the same sort of you know fortitude and persistence that got us this weekend at all miss we now have to do to the people who you know would possibly fund the full season and just try and get as many meetings and as much interest as possible and make an unbelievable reel and try and get it off that and also we have to make an unbelievable full episode because we owe it to the people of Oxford and the Ole Miss community to properly express our love to them. And also you never know who could be watching that, but like who's who could click on an Ole Miss athletic video on the website or on YouTube and see it and be like, these kids were awesome. We just don't know. So like, you know, essentially we got to work both angles and do both and really like push this. Now comes the hard part, editing all that 20 hours down into like, a compact 4 minutes and then a full episode of like a compact 30 to 40 or 45 however long it is and making it really sleek and just watchable to the point where and like doing it not in the in such a long time in the next couple of months so that we have time to really market this and uh and hopefully set it up for a full season because like like I said this just is something
1: I know I need to do so whether it gets picked up, whether it doesn't remains to be seen, I have great confidence that it will Ole Miss fans wise, the episode from the weekend, give me a timeline. Where can they watch it bar? Nothing else. Barring pitches, nothing else. Like where can they watch the full weekend recap that you guys experienced?
2: Damn. I feel like Christopher Nolan, like giving the date of my next movie, like- I'm
1: not putting you on a hard date. Just give me a location. No. And we will, uh, we'll massage the dates.
2: We will try and get it done in the next couple months. Ideally, I'd like to get a cut done by January of the full episode, hopefully sooner for the four minutes. And uh, yeah, that's like, I'm really just, I got to work on this now. I got to like go through all the footage. I got to go through the transcripts, find everything that works. And then like, who knows, maybe they'll want to do like a live showing in Oxford. We'll come back um, if they wanted to wait that long. I won't be back in Oxford until m- maybe baseball season. Maybe I'd come down and experience Again. that, but like I couldn't make it down just, or maybe I could. Who knows? With the <laughs> maybe I could just come down if they said to me, "Hey, you know, we want to do like a live screening of this in January." I would go down there. I, lo- you know, I lo- I love that community, so like for sure I would. Um, actually, now that I think about it, so let's uh try and get we'll try and get that done by like early winter and really like you know the real push is on this the full season because it will take a lot of time to set it up if we can get it done and we'll also probably we'll probably face a lot of rejection there and trying to get it made i'd be shocked if it was just as easy as the first person we show it to wants to do it we obviously have some interest in it but you know it's on us to set everything up so that's gonna take a lot of effort. And now comes the hard part. The the fun part was before. Now come and that wasn't easy, but now comes the real hard part.
1: Last question I have for you. What was the most surprising thing you experienced this past weekend?
2: Surprising thing. Um, I guess this is gonna sound stupid, but this is really the most surprising thing, and then I could think of something more wholesome to say. I didn't realize what's the deal with these food robots on college campuses. They're so so annoying. There were so many points that one like almost ran over my foot or ran into the back of my uh, my calf or ankle. I mean, these things were everywhere. So that was really probably the biggest surprise. I mean, really, there was no real surprise. Everything was sort of as expected, just beyond my wildest expectation. Like I thought it would be great and it was even better, like. And just like really seeing for myself that it's exactly as I imagined it and like my best case scenario, like like most ideal dream, but only a million times better than that was just like it was awesome. It's something it's a natural high. You crave it just like the Friday before the game. Um, the Friday night, the afternoon, the morning, the tailgate, everything. And just like, you know, it's just a different level of energy in an SEC stadium when it's a big rivalry, high stakes. And like, we just want to do that as much as we possibly can, because it was everything we hoped it would be. And then so,
1: man, this is all I had for you. If you ever want to come back during baseball season, you got tickets, you got a free place to stay. I feel like I made a friend for life along with your brothers (laughs) who are my, I would take a bullet for them um in four days it was a ton of fun man i'm so glad we crossed paths and if you ever need anything in the future i'd be glad to help you out i can't wait to see how this turns out jake Saracek, documentary filmmaker netflix guy i appreciate the time <laughs> man. we'll talk soon it That's was a good. it was a pleasure meeting you guys at crossing paths with you
2: all right thank you buddy it was really we had the best time we love all you guys and we can't wait to keep coming down and doing this every year we'll be we'll be back every year like this is now a yearly thing for us even if it doesn't get made but
1: Let's hope it does all right. that's gonna do it for our show today. Really appreciate Jake's time. Um, really enjoyed getting to meet him and his brothers and his whole crew. and uh, really enjoyed seeing his account of Oxford, Mississippi, and uh, it, I don't know it's a good reminder of what a special place this is and what a special time of year it is in the South. sometimes I don't uh, always fully appreciate it, but seeing an outsider, Just be in awe of what Oxford was, what a big football game weekend was like, was uh, really refreshing to me and definitely going to help make me appreciate things more. So thank you for listening. As always, if you made it to the end, we'll be back tomorrow with another former player interview. Actually, probably have a twofer for you, two former players. So stay tuned. We'll talk to you on Friday. And thanks for listening as always.
4: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?